Hi, everyone. I have some big news that I want to share with you before we get to our podcast today. I wanted to let you know that Path 11 TV is actually launched. However, we are going to be throwing a party on November 11th at 11 a.m. with Suzanne Northrup. She's an evidential medium, and she's going to be talking with us about mediumship and after-death communication on November 11th at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then after that, Suzanne has agreed to give people who sign up for a yearly membership a free gallery reading over Zoom. So the readings necessarily aren't guaranteed, depends on how many people sign up. Um, But once you sign up for your annual membership for $59, we are going to email you the Zoom link to enter into the gallery reading over Zoom with Suzanne on 11-11 at 12 p.m. So we are really, really excited about this. And we decided to discount the annual membership by 40% off the regular price until our launch on November 11th. Once November 12th hits, The price is going back up, so I would really love for you to take advantage of your annual membership for $59. With that, you are going to get free access to a gallery reading with Suzanne Northrup, and you can check out her website if you haven't heard of her yet, SuzanneNorthrup.com. And uh, if, if you sign up before November 11th, you will be able to enter into that Zoom room with her, and hopefully you will get your own reading. So head on over to Path11TV.com. You can register for that annual membership now for $59 and start watching all the content that we have. There's some wonderful stuff on there. I know you're going to enjoy it if you love listening to our podcast. Oh, and by the way, If you've just been listening to the podcast, we have the video um, podcast for Path 11 over on Path 11 TV. So you can't see them anymore on YouTube, but you can watch them for free at path11tv.com. All right, guys, let's get to our show. Hi, and thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. At the Path 11 Podcast, we are here trying to deliver leading-edge research on consciousness, healing, and metaphysics. And just like you, we are trying to answer the big questions about life. Who are we? Why are we here? And what is our purpose? We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on Earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. So without further ado, we're going to be talking about spirituality and dogs. And you guys know that um, Bowie has been in the background of many, many podcasts. You have heard him bark. Some of you have seen him in these video podcasts, Um, but he's he's away right now, so he doesn't uh, interfere with this podcast. But I have with me David Berner. And he recently wrote a book called Walks with Sam, and he is an award-winning journalist, broadcaster, author, and teacher. He has books of fiction and memoir, and David has more than 40 years' experience in broadcast journalism. You're going to hear he has an amazing voice. I was talking to him a little bit beforehand. So uh, he has regularly contributed to CBS Radio Network and has contributed to public radio stations around the country, including NPR's Weekend Edition. David, welcome to the Path Love and Podcast. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. It's nice to be here. Yeah. So I'd like you to maybe start off a little bit um, letting our listeners know about you and your background. Sure. And, you know, the book Walks with Sam is really uh, very... I would say very spiritual. I completely enjoyed it having owned a dog. I felt like I was walking along beside you 
mm-hmm. while you were walking your dog. And I have had some of the same thoughts and conversations in my head as I walked Bowie and just things that you realize and how spiritual the dog walk can be. It, right. it was awesome. I loved it. Right. So I'm really excited for you to kind of tell our audience a little bit more about who you are and what you learned on your walks with Sam. Sure. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't expect this book to turn out as it turned out. I, I didn't ever expect it to be a book, frankly. Um, I had been on sabbatical from my teaching job and I had other projects to get done. And um, I decided I could make my own path. I decided to um, take a walk with the dog every day and I tried to make it every day. Um, and the walks turned out to be walks that I hadn't expected. I thought that would just be a way to clear my head and dog out and choose the young dog at the time. I thought it would be, you know, just an exercise in sort of an exercise, right? Uh, well, it turned out to be much more for me. Um, at the time that I did this, I was turning a milestone age. I was contemplating what I was going to do with my work going forward. My sister had died tragically. There was just a lot of, you know, ingredients going on in my life. So it was a good time to sort of walk and just relax and calm myself and feel, figure out where I was. And that turned out to be an, an exceptional experience because I did not expect it to turn out the way it did. Um, at first, it was just, to, as I said, to walk the dog. And then it turned into allowing the dog to sort of uh, take me on its path rather than me take it on my path. That took some work, but I kind of allowed her to guide me. And once I started to do that, it became something a little more special. Um, I didn't notice it first. I have to say that people who were reading the blog that I was doing at the time, and I was only doing that to keep myself honest about the notes uh, concerning the walks. Uh, someone had said to me, boy, this could be a book, and I had never considered that. So in time, I played around with it and tried to shape it and um, shape it into a book form. What I tried not to do was try to manipulate it. I never said to myself, oh, I want this book to be like this, or I want this book to turn out this way, or I want to write a spiritual book, or I want to write a, spir- a book about mindfulness. It wasn't necessarily, that wasn't the plan. I just took the walks, documented them like a journalist would almost, my thoughts and, and what I saw and what I considered, and allowed them to be what they were. And it turned out to be a book that a lot of people have connected to because of that mindfulness and spirituality part and the connection that humans have with dogs. That's how I got there. Not not in the way that I thought, frankly. Yeah. So uh, for the listeners who haven't read the book yet, can you go in a little bit deeper about how walking you know, with Sam bring brought about that mindfulness and that spirituality? Sure. Um, you know, as I said, first, it was just a typical walk with the dog, right? And we would take a walk around the neighborhood or whatever. Um, but then I started to consider that what would it be like if I didn't have a destination? Because many times when we take a walk, we say, oh, I'm going to walk uh, to the park and back, or I'm going to walk around the block twice, or I'm going to walk to the store and back. I decided to not do that. And I tried really hard to allow her to take me where she wanted to go. That was hard. It was hard at first. Uh, once I started to do that, I started to see that she was observing and being in the present more than ever that I ever could. Um, and I learned through the research with this book that veterinarians will tell you this. Dogs do not have a past or a future. They don't think that way. They don't think as we do. They don't have a memory. They don't have a plan for the next day. Um, we do. Uh, they live in the very moment. 
but they don't have a recollection of a moment uh, or a memory or a to-do list like we do. Um, so they're really good at living in the present. And the more that I allowed her to show me that, uh, the better I got at it. I don't. Ex- I never thought of myself as a truly mindful person, although I've attempted to be. Uh, I don't think that I am an expert in mindfulness in any way, but I do think that Sam is um, without even knowing. Um, and the more that I paid attention to that and observed her and observed what she was taking in, uh, the better it got for me. Uh, and the connection between the two of us got really strong because of that. Yeah, it's almost like you're able to come into alignment with her energy and aligning with her and her moment, her present moment allows you to kind of be brought right into her world, I guess you could say. Yeah, and that's, you know, it's not easy to do. Um, You know, we live in a world of to do's, right? And uh, it was not easy to fall into that. And I had the luxury that my time was very um, open. I had uh, no particular deadlines, uh, and and Sam just walked into the room. Hi, Sam. How are you? Um, So um, it really allowed me to rethink uh, more clearly uh, all the stuff that I wanted to think about. You know, the tragedy of my sister, the the uh, the next step in my career. um, You know, where my wife and I were going to go in the later years. All kinds of things, Uh, and it was it really made me consider those things a little more clearly. Yeah. And I don't know if you would feel comfortable talking about a little bit about the passing of your sister, but, you know, the Path sure. Loving podcast, we um, speak a lot about the afterlife, um, right. death and dying. And uh, I don't know, we just have a lot of content on that. And I think animals, too, can really help us through the grieving process. And I'm just, you know, wondering if these walks with Sam also helped in processing, you know, her tragic death and things of that sort, if you'd like to talk about that. Yeah, I think they began me, uh, allowed me to begin that process of processing it. Um, My sister struggled with alcohol and drugs for a long time. Um, She was one of the brightest, meaning sort of a light, um, the the brightest, most, uh, you know, joyful people I had ever known. She had a, she looked at life as just a big ball of fun and she um, lost her way after my father died and then my mother died. Uh, and she really lost her way. She had such a strong connection with both of my parents that I think it really threw her for a loop. And, um, so I knew it was coming her death. I just knew it. I felt it. It was going to happen. I was going to get that call. Uh, and it came just like that. So in a way I was sounds strange, but I was prepared uh, at least I thought I was, but I think now I'm only beginning to sort of figure that out um, and reckon with it a little bit. Um, I've actually started to write a little bit about that process uh, because I think there might be a story there to, to, that other people could relate to. Um, but I had someone say, and I, you know, looking over the Path 11 interviews and some of the work that you guys do, I started to think about a comment that was made to me uh, probably a month ago. Someone said to me, do you think that maybe Sam is the reincarnation of your sister? <laughs> and that, I'd never considered that. Um, and I don't know if I believe in reincarnation or not. I, I, I believe that, you know, all things are possible. Um, 
And uh, wow, it's that's a really unbelievable thing to consider. Yeah, because because at that moment, at that moment, I didn't think that. But now, as I look back on what I went through with it, and now that I feel freer to write about her, I don't know, there's something there. Yeah, it's definitely could be a possibility. Um, yeah, yeah in, interesting. So, you know, it sounds like we share a little bit of uh, similarities. So I'll kind of share the story. Um, thank you for sharing your s- story about your sister. It helps me sure. to open up a little bit more. I know my audience is, you know, familiar with uh, the relationship that I had with my mom, who also struggled with alcoholism and uh, drug addiction throughout her life. And Bowie was actually her dog. Mm. So um, in the past uh, couple of years, maybe maybe about a year and a half, two years prior to 2019, she started to struggle pretty heavily again. And um, so I went down to rescue Bowie, you know, because Bowie came into her life when she found a really long period of sobriety, which was wonderful. And I think that he kept her sober for a very long time. And then, you know, as addiction can have it, people tend to, you know, slip back into it. So she was in a really, really rough patch. And, you know, I felt for the dog. He is just the sweetest thing ever. And uh, I went to go get him and he stayed with me and I brought him back for one more try because, you know, she went into rehab, was doing a little bit better. And then she fell down the slippery slope. And um, so then I ended up keeping him. And uh, my mom also died pretty tragically more recently in October of 2019. And yeah, and, and, you know, what I find interesting about the magic of these animals, too, I kind of feel like when she moved back into her addiction, like Bowie's job was kind of done in a sense. And I too knew and had a sense the time was coming. I was waiting for that phone call as well. You know, it's interesting. I don't really know how to describe how you know when someone is going to pass. You just get this like internal feeling. And I knew it. I just didn't know how. And I didn't know when. I wasn't expecting how it happened and didn't know exactly the time. But I really did have a feeling that it was going to be soon. And, you know, and now here he is healing me. You know, it's like he healed her for a period of time. And it's almost like there was this knowing that maybe she wasn't going to get quite back on that sober path. And then, you know, he came into my life to be able to continue to heal me. And I bring him to work. He's healed so many of my clients. You know, everybody looks for him. If I give him a day off, they're like, oh, where's Bowie, you know? (laughs) But, um, but yeah, you know, the animals have that ability to do that. And, uh, you know, that's an interesting concept that you brought up, too, about reincarnation, because I've had some conversations with people that are animal communicators and things of that sort. And I've heard that theory before that, you know, they can reincarnate and people can come in and they still want to be with you. So that's yeah. an interesting concept. Who knows? Right. Yeah, um, I I don't know for sure. I don't know whether I believe it or not. But um, you know, it's kind of interesting to consider it. And yeah, I, I you know, then from what you just explained, that you know how that feeling is about sort of just reckoning with what it was that happened. And and you know, you inevitably you think about well, what could I have done right better? Uh, the reality is, my sister didn't want any more help. Uh, and I knew I knew that, but I, you know, I guess I'm more of a, you know, uh, my personality is to fix things. Uh, sometimes that's not the best. Um, and there was no way I could fix her. It was just not it was unfixable at that moment. Yeah. Um, but I've come to realize that now, you know, at the time, it didn't feel like that. But I think Sam 
um, you know, a lot of ways came to us, my wife and I, at the right time. Uh, we had lost both of our dogs, you know, uh, age, um, great dogs. Um, and, uh, you know, it was the right time for Sam to come into the world. It was the right time for me. It was, uh, and she's got the sweetest disposition. And as you mentioned about your dog, Bowie, they don't have any judgment. Right. You know, they don't judge. They don't have a preconceived notion um, like we do, uh, mm -hmm. building prejudices or whatever. Um, they just don't. And um, that, <laughs> that's, a, that's really freeing to know that. So. It is. Yeah. I, I was listening to, it might have even have been a Tony Robbins podcast on relationships or something. And it, it made me laugh because it said, you should always greet your partner the way that your dog greets you when you come home. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and when you think about it, like, they're so excited. It's like, you know, like the first time they're seeing you and, you know, and I just thought that that was a great correlation. Like what if in love, you know, when our partner walked through that door, if we greeted them, like our dogs greeted us, I think yeah. that the divorce rate might be much lower than it is today. Well, I think in a kind of way I do. I mean, I don't pant. Uh, <laughs> not always. Yeah. So if we kind of go back to mindfulness too, you know, a mindfulness walk is really being in the present moment. Like you were talking about how Sam, you know, was, and I remember, you know, I have to admit sometimes Bowie loves to roll on his walks constantly. And I'm always mm -hmm. like, time, come on, I got to get back. I got to go do something. And I remember <laughs> teasing him a little bit when I was speaking to a neighbor of mine, she had a little dog and I was like, yeah, you know, sometimes he's making me late. And, and she said to me, she goes, well, you know, what I realize is that this walk is about her, not about me. You know, mm. it's her walk of the day. And, you know, it's amazing how people can just say something and plant a seed. And from that day forward, similar to like what you were doing with Sam, I made Bowie's walk less about me and getting exercise <laughs> and yeah. like, OK, we're on a time limit. And I remember one day I, I did exactly what you did. Now, I've only done it once, but I'm going to practice more after reading your book. But I had thought, like, what if Bowie wasn't on a leash? Where would he go? Like, let me just follow him and see, you know, where he's picking up scents. And what would he do if he wasn't on a leash? I have a, a kind of a leash that I can control. And he took a totally different path than what we normally would have. So it's really interesting when you're talking about if you surrender to the dog and surrender to the present moment and just see what happens, um, that you can build relationships. One of the things that I loved in your book were like all of these people that you met. And, you know, when Bowie came to live with me, it was the same thing. All of a sudden I'm talking to neighbors that I've never talked to before. And yeah. just by walking by people and him being by my side, they would smile and right. I would stop and engage with people. And it kind of made me feel like, gosh, I've been living in a little bit of a hole. Like why, why aren't I out there just having this conversation without a dog with people? But dogs yeah. really have this ability to connect us as humans. They do. They open you up. Um, I think it opens up the person who's walking by and it opens you up, too. I think that came out in the book, too. And Sam is a sniffer. You say, you know, Bowie's a, a roller. Um, <laughs> Sam just and I've heard that dogs that have a little bit of poodle in them tend to be like that. I don't know if that's true or not, but Sam. There's a part in the book where I talk about her sniffing. She's just crazy with her sniffing. But as you pointed out, the more that I let her just have her time. Um, the more relaxed I became. Now, there are still some days that I pull her away from a tree um, because she's, you know, she'll be there all day. Um, 
But there, there are other times that I just say, okay, I got to let her do her thing and let her be the, you know, the boss of this walk. Um, and it, it's not easy for us to do that. But I think the more that we do that, the more that we can sort of relate that to other parts of our lives, implying that I'm some kind of expert on this, but I'm just imparting the information that I think I've been able to gather on my own through these walks. Um, and, you know, again, the walks were written w with no particular um, theme in mind. They just were what they were, uh, and they just fell into this, this path. Um, there's a lot of great books out there about dogs and walking, and there's tons of them. Um, I wanted this to be as realistic as I possibly could make it. Um, and uh, it is. It's creative nonfiction. There's no fiction in here. Uh, the conversations that I've had in these books are what I relect, what I, my recollection of them, you know, um, as best I could. Uh, so it uh, it turned out to be more than I expected because I let it be more than I expected. I didn't manipulate it, and that's kind of like a metaphor for living in a way, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and I think well, the what, fact... What, what's the Beatles song, Let It Be? I mean, let that's what be. that's all about, right? Yeah. That's what Paul McCartney was saying. So. Yeah, well, and the fact that I think that you allowed the energy of the chapters and, you know, what you called the walks and just literally let them be what they needed to be also carried over the energy of what you were experiencing in the walks with Sam. Right, yeah. It's like, you know, you didn't try to you know, necessarily organize it like an author and put it in a book. It was just like, you really feel like as the reader, you're going out for a walk with you and Sam every day. And like, you can't wait to see what you guys are going to run into and who you're oh, going to meet. Good, and because that's exactly how I wanted it to be. I didn't want it to feel like it was, you know, had some kind of plot to it. You know what I mean? That's not how I wanted it to be at all. Right. Uh, yeah. So I'm glad, yeah. I'm glad it reads like that. So um, one of the funny chapters that I enjoyed was uh, the crazy guy's house, your your neighbor with all these like crazy things on the lawn and what he would display. And then all of a sudden there was a day and it was gone. And I don't know if, if you want to talk about that walk a little bit. I think anybody that I don't know lives in a neighborhood or, you know, you just have characters right in your neighborhood. And yeah. when you're walking yeah. a dog, you'll pass by certain houses and stuff. But do you want to talk about that? Right. Walk with the crazy um, guy? Trimming and yeah, trees. I mean, I, I, I don't want to use the term crazy guy in a disparaging way, and I didn't mean it that way, but it was just the, you know, what we started to call him. Because not necessarily because he was crazy, but because the things that were left and the, the, the sort of, you know, personality he was emoting was felt weird and crazy. Um, and he left crazy things in his lawn, blown up, you know, pool toys, uh, and, uh, strangely, an axe in a tree. Um, skis, snow skis, uh, just, they would just, you'd walk by and be three or four weird things in his lawn. <laughs> and at first you thought, well, he's cleaning out his garage. <laughs> but then you realize, no, that's not what he's doing. And then there would be these big written messages in chalk on his driveway, like a child would do. Um, and they were like things about radio stations and just very odd. And the more that we walked by there, the crazier they got. And then one day they were gone. And, and, and I think that chapter, you know, although you say, you know, there's humor there, and I think there is, 
But that chapter really, it helped me realize something that I, you know, intellectually know, but it helped me really see it in a, in a, in a moment of real time, is that, you know, we're all a little off, you know, and, and this guy was just emoting it. Um, and then there was a lady across the street that had, you know, rabbits all over her yard in the Easter time. It was just insanely crazy with rabbits, uh, not real rabbits, just you know, <laughs> ornaments. Um and, you know, I start thinking about that. It's like, well, you know, it doesn't mean anybody's weird or crazy. I mean, they're not affecting me in any way. Um, it's just that they're showing their personality or their life or their moment in time differently than I am. That's just like anybody else. And it's hard not to judge. Um, it's hard. It's a human, you know, we have this thing hardwired in us to sort of put people in a category or to put us in, put people in a particular um, personality trait or whatever. And the reality is they're just like us, they're just emoting it differently. Um, and, you know, I'm not saying that Sam necessarily had me consider that. So, um, you know, yeah, we, every, every neighborhood has their crazy guy, you know, yeah. that's just kind of the way it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I think what also kind of inspired me reading the book was it gave me pause to reflect about some of the beautiful walks that I've had with Bowie, some of the really wonderful people that I've bumped into or met or had conversations with that I wouldn't have uh, normally if I was maybe walking without a dog. Mm. Uh, it made me think about some of the beautiful sunsets. You know, when you're a dog walker and you're walking your dog a couple of times a day, um, at the time I was living in an apartment. So he didn't have a backyard to go and run around that was fenced in. So I had to take him out every time, you know, he needed to go. But it was wonderful because, you know, I got to see a lot of sunsets and some sunrises and could connect with the stars at night if we went out for like a late night walk. And uh, it just made me think about, wow, I wonder if I started to document some of my walks and some of the fun conversations that I've had or things that I've noticed, what that would be like. And more importantly, what I really loved was that mindfulness of letting the dog lead and allowing ourselves to maybe not be so caught up in our schedules or an agenda of what our day brings and can we find a moment even if we allow ourselves a full hour or whatever the case may be to just like let go and not be in a rush to get back to anything and see where the dog takes you yeah. so i just thought it was a uh, it was it was awesome it was an awesome book i think anyone who owns a dog is going to connect to it mm -hmm. um completely. And, you know, my other thought too, when you said that Sam came in at a perfect time, like you and your wife had both lost some dogs. Um, some of the greatest grief that I have experienced with people is the loss of their pets. Mm, and sure. I'm going to be a wreck when, you know, Bowie, Bowie's time is, you know, passes because there's so much connection, right? It's not just Absolutely. Bowie, but it's so much, the last so much history there too. Yeah, so yeah. much history. The last connection to my mom, you know, she still lives within him a little bit, and I, you know, I just try to work every day too, of uh, maybe of more of the more uh, Buddhist mindfulness of like watching what I get too attached to. Not saying that I don't want to love my dog as much as I do, but gosh. When you think about that day when you may not be without your animal, it just, I don't know, it just tears you up inside. And I was just wondering, yeah. you know, now that you have this really probably different connection with Sam than maybe you've had with other dogs um, mm -hmm. with this, you know, do you ever think about that? And what are your thoughts? You mean about losing Sam? Yeah, about losing yeah. Sam. 
you know? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's hard not to think about that sort of thing when you've lived m most of my life has had a dog in it. Um, you know, so and I've, I've lost a lot of dogs, um, you know, along the way. Um, and it's always really difficult. Um, I, haven't, I haven't thought much about the idea of losing Sam, although I'll have to say about three or four days ago, um, the uh, not so responsible owner uh, gave uh, Sam a lamb bone. And I had read that the lamb bone was fine. It was hard enough and wasn't going to splinter. And of course, she swallowed it um, nearly whole. Uh, and of course, that really, really worried me. Uh, later, it passed and it was okay. Um, but um, you know, that had me thinking about, oh, goodness, what did I do here? And could she be sick? And could there be an internal issue and all kinds of things? And I thought about that and you know, beat myself up about it a little bit. So at that moment, yeah, I thought about, ooh, what would happen if she would be very sick or ill or need big surgery or and she's, you know, four years old. She's got a fairly long life yet. Um but I hadn't really reckoned with the idea of what it would be like without her. Um, when I think about that now, um, seems very odd that she wouldn't be around because she's so much a part of our lives. I mean, our children are grown and off on their world. So mm. it's my wife and I and the dog. Um, so it would be very strange around here uh, if she were not here. Um, it would really be, um, in a way, a less joyous place um, without her, um, only because we've become so connected. Right. And I think that's true of, of anything that we become very connected with. Yeah. My, my, the two dogs that we had earlier, um, uh, they were both about the same age and one died about a year after the other. And uh, they both died in the home. And, um, you know, I was there right there with them. My wife wasn't able to be there. She just couldn't do it. But I, I was with both of them when they passed, and it was difficult. But there's something, I don't know, maybe maybe me, I don't know. I, I kind of click into that mode where I don't become emotional at the moment. I sort of click into that, what can I do? How can I make this better? How can I make it okay? And then I become emotional later. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what, you know, sort of like a parent would do with a child. It's like you click into that parental mode to fix something or to help something. And then later you're like, Whoa, that was not pleasant. Yeah. Right. But you don't, you don't feel that or see that or have that experience until later. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. Sounds like you'd make a good crisis worker or an EMT or even a therapist. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you can jump in there and handle the crisis. And then afterwards you kind of fall apart. That's usually yeah, what happens. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, David, thank you so much. I really, really enjoyed this book, this conversation. And it was a nice way and a different way to think about mindfulness and spirituality. Um, yeah. It was really unique, you know, and I can talk all day about dogs. Like when I first opened up your book and I started reading the chapter about how uh, Sam eats socks, you know, and, and I think oh, another dog God. eating the rocks. And I mean, people that own animals, literally, that can be the topic of conversation around dinner for like three hours, just talking about all these little <laughs> things that the animals do. And they're so funny. So um, it, it was a wonderful book. It made me laugh a lot. Um, 
I just really enjoyed it and could totally relate to it and just wanted to thank you for um, helping me. I feel like here on out, um, I'm going to really work on being more mindful with the walks with the dog. Well, that's that's very sweet. You've been very sweet. I appreciate your, uh, you know, talking about the book and uh, it's easy to find out there, you know, you can find it online pretty easily. It's not, not hard. Walks with Sam. Yes. <laughs> Wonderful. Do you have a picture? I know you said Sam was in the room with you, but what does Sam actually um, look like? Well, I don't have you... one in front of me yeah. right now. No, but this is a rendition of her that was the artist did. I don't know if you can see that real well, but that that is, I have to say, I sent him a picture of her standing like that. Yeah. And he was able to, to turn it into a graphic art that uh, is really very much her. Um, yeah, so that's, that's about as close as I can do right now, but she is, she's a sweet dog, good dog. Um, she looks pretty much like that, like that piece of art. So, uh, that's why she has all black on her. She's got a little bit of gray in her snout. Uh, so she's got that sort of fluffy, uh, what are they? I don't know if it's called fur or hair when you have a doodle. Um, and she's about 40 pounds about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much. It really was a beautiful book. I am sure it's going to touch many people's lives. Um, I hope our listeners go out and get a copy. I think it's also a great book to give as a gift. It's like one of these things, like I love to give people books for gifts. And uh, I just think that this is a beautiful one. So uh, I wish you all the luck with it. And I love your writing, by the way. Um, So let me know. Uh, I would probably love to see what you come up with. If you do write anything, you know, about your sister, Um, Mm -hmm. I'm sure I'll really be able to connect to that content too. So please keep us in mind. I would love to have you back. That's very nice of you. I will keep that in mind for sure. Hopefully that will someday become a book. I don't know, but we'll see where it goes. Thank you again. Thank you very much. Thanks again for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that show. And don't forget to head on over to path11tv.com. Grab your annual membership for $59. Remember, that is 40% off the regular price. Once November 12th hits, the price is going to go back up to the regular price. So I really want you to take advantage of our launch deal of $59. You get over 75 hours of content that we have on there. And if you register now until November 11th, we are going to email you a private link to the Zoom gallery reading with Suzanne Northrup. And if you would like to watch Suzanne and see what she has to say before the gallery reading, you can tune in to Facebook Live, YouTube Live, or watch it on path11productions.com. She's going to be speaking for about 30 to 45 minutes on November 11th at 11 a.m. We're going to take a short break, and then you are going to head on over to your Zoom room and sit there in the gallery, and hopefully Suzanne will choose you and give you a private reading to connect with your deceased loved ones. So head on over to path11tv.com. Take advantage of the annual membership. Remember the monthly membership does not give you the zoom link. You have to purchase the annual membership in order to get into the gallery reading zoom room. All right, guys, take care.